0: Maybe the the quality isn't 100% in terms of the same as like on Netflix, but that's purely because on YouTube, when people are there to watch YouTube, they're kind of there for a bit more of that guerrilla style. They're there to make a connection with the creator.
1: Welcome to Tech Talks, the podcast brought to you by Nash Squared and hosted by myself, David Savage, that's been bringing you the latest thinking from technology leaders for over eight years. On today's show, we're talking to Marco. He's part of the creative team behind Jess's channel. But uh, before we get stuck into that, hello Akish. Hello. Are you going to be celebrating Guy Fawkes Bonfire Night this weekend? Uh,
2: I haven't got any plans. No, I'll be honest. But um, I'll probably be spectating on some fireworks that happen locally. Um, yeah. 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 School? No. Do you know what it is? It's like a, a. It's, a it's like a park. All oh, right. Um, okay. yeah, yeah. 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 It's a. Yeah. Dulwich Park, and yeah. they have it on the back of that. Yeah, it's quite nice. It is
1: quite a weird thing to celebrate every year. Yeah,
2: weirdly enough, I was speaking about it over the weekend to a cousin of mine who was from the US. Right. And after telling him the story, I don't know if I should say it on here, he said, So basically, you celebrate a guy that was trying to burn down the Houses of Parliament. So yes. You are. commemorating yeah 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 so he said you you know you're commemorating someone who's a criminal and he used the T word I don't know if I should say it on here but treason uh, something else starts with a T ends in an ist and I was like yeah maybe Um, but yeah I don't know
1: history right so yeah it's interesting because I I was watching a BBC programme recently um, and it was talking about the union and what I hadn't realised was because we all get told about kind of Catholics and Protestants mm. and the, the beef that was going on between them at the time. Yeah. Um, because the king was Protestant yeah. and Guy Fawkes was Catholic. Yeah. Um, but also Guy Fawkes was English, yeah. as were the other plotters, and the king was Scottish. Mm. Um, and basically the English were worried about um, loads of Scots coming over the border and mm. uh, coming into England. Things never change.
2: No, it's funny that, you know, the borders were uh,
1: as protected as uh, they are and scared of people coming in and maybe adding value, but... Oh, there we go. Yeah. Anyway, talking about things on the BBC... Yep. This weekend, Strictly had 6.6 million views, or viewers.
2: I'd have loved if you actually said 7 million. I wanted
1: to shout, it seven? Seven, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Well, yeah. near enough, round Yeah, it yeah very true.
2: Do you want to yeah. have a go? No. Okay. No, it's embarrassing. Um, but
1: Jessa, uh, who Marco works with, um, mm. his channels, he's got 5.7 million subscribers as a YouTuber. Mm. Kind of mind-blowing. Very. So we're going to hand over to the interview, we'll come back afterwards. So I'm chatting to, to Marco. Marco, I'm all right in thinking that you're from Hitchin, from Hertfordshire, according yes, to, to LinkedIn.
0: that That is correct. That is where I grew up. I was actually born in Essex, um, but then moved to Hitchin when I was pretty young. Then I lived there for the majority of my life, but I was actually in Houston, Texas for four years, yeah. well, between the ages of six and 10. I kind of went there with my dad's work and me and my whole family were out there for four years, which was fantastic it was definitely an eye-opening experience as a kid everything was just so massive and the barbecue food was amazing um and then moved back home yeah went to university in birmingham and then uh when i moved out to la in november 2022
1: i know hitching to a degree because one of my ex-girlfriends uh was from Bulldog. Oh.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I used to go past Bullock every day on the I'm train sure. to school.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, you're not there anymore. You're on the West Coast. You're out in uh you're out in California.
0: Yes, correct. In Agora Hills, about forty-five minutes away west of um LA itself.
1: Okay. So let's let's start with the obvious question. Why are you now on the West Coast? What are you doing there?
0: So um I can kind of give a a bit of backstory here. Mm-hmm. Let's take it back to a few years ago when I was back in England. I just finished my degree of um, business management at Birmingham and I went into the very, uh, quick, I really wanted me to make some money on the side while I found, um, so uh, like a, a full-time role and I was actually working at a cafe, um, as a dishwasher. Um, I don't want to brag, but apparently I was the best dishwasher they ever had. Um, <laughs> And while that was going on, I, w- I was starting to make YouTube videos of my own. Uh, I was creating virtual reality gaming content and I had been for maybe a few months and it w- I was never really doing it too seriously until I started that job. And what I would do is I'd come home every day after work and just edit the video, um, well my video, and then I'd be up, like uploading around once a week um, and then COVID hit. And became furloughed, which meant that I had even more time to edit my own videos. And so that's what I did. Uh, yep. And I slowly built up my audience to around 20,000 on YouTube, which isn't a huge amount, um, but it was it was doing all right. And I had like 200,000 on TikTok. Um, and then I had met someone through the virtual reality gaming content, one of the guys I was friends with, who happened to work for a YouTuber called Jessa at the time, and he was his editor. Um, and he messaged me saying, Hey, we're just starting to like recruit for the first time ever. Um, we want someone to come in as like a creative director for our second channel, JSR, which is called Jessa reacts now. Uh, I had about just around a million subs just hit it at the time. And I was like, yes, I'll give this a go. Definitely underqualified, but I'll give it my best (laughs) shot. Um, and over the next two years, just kind of worked my way up through the channel to eventually becoming the creative director of the Jessa channel as well. So that was the main channel, which was sat at 3 million at the time. And then, um, again, kept kind of moving along. And then it got to around uh, about two years into the role. And they were like, we should try and get you out here, try and get you to come out here and actually be present And you can have more of an impact, like a more of a producer-type director role. Um, And, you know, after a lot of tough visa conversations and some luck, I managed to get a visa here for 18 months and moved out here in November uh, last year as executive producer for uh, Bucket Squad. So I can talk more on that role if you want, but that is how I got here.
1: Now, there's a huge amount of people probably listening, thinking youtubers with creative directors and <laughs> what what kind of work goes into establishing a channel that has the kind of following that we're talking about there where it's where it's millions multiples of millions of people i mean how big a team have you got working on a channel like that
0: so at the moment in person we have around 12 uh employees yeah and then i'd say across both of our channels we have uh, a total of roughly 30 people, which is insane when you think about it, considering we've only got two channels. Um, but it, I felt the same. when I Before I came into the industry, I was very much like, oh, I, I know there's YouTubers and they have maybe their editor um, and maybe they have someone who helps them film and that, that's it. I was kind of naive <laughs> in that thought process. But when you think about all these bigger channels, there is so much which goes into it. So we can kind of break down in terms of what, that the jessa team is made out of we have um, production assistants so those are people who um, are helping make the sets get the props get everything we need for the videos to become what they are Uh, we have a script writer so that's they pretty much specialize in writing up like an intro script for the video coming up with challenges for the video like how we can structure it and keep it engaging and keep the audience engaged um, we have creative directors and like they come up with ideas uh, for the videos. They come up with um, like thumbnails. What, what can, how can we really hook in the audience? Then you have like executive producers like me who pretty much manage the process from start to finish. So I'm like coming in with the ideas then we go through the scripting. Then it's the filming, the editing, doing the notes, sending that over to our edit- editorial team, coming back and forth and then eventually uploading it to YouTube. Um, We've got editors I've just mentioned as well. They're the people who, you know, really bring the video to life. Um, They scrap together hours and hours of footage and make something magnificent. Um, And then, yeah, we even have like, for example, on our company, we have like a CFO who's in charge of all the finances. We've just hired a president whose like sole purpose it is is to how can we expand the business? How can we find more opportunities? um we even have like our management who helps us get brand deals so yeah, it's just just so much to it
1: <laughs> and look i'm I'm kinda looking at the channel as as we're chatting, and Jess has got seventeen sorry fifteen point seven million subscribers, one point two thousand sorry what twelve hundred videos um mm-hmm. there's a video here uploaded six months ago. I played in the n b a celebrity game, and this happened seven and a half million views. Um, and you know, posting videos 19 hours ago, 1.1 million views around NBA players. Where does YouTube cross over into just being on-demand television in the same like it, it kind of feels like this could be the same size of scale of operation as traditional television, but just on YouTube?
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely getting there. And I'd say an even bigger uh example of that is the uh, the Mr. Beast um type archetype where mr beast has such huge productions where he spends so much money and has such big teams that these you sit there and you watch and you're almost like you're watching a tv program it's just as it's brilliantly produced just the same maybe the the quality isn't 100% in terms of the same as like on netflix but that's purely because on youtube when people are there to watch youtube they're kind of there for a bit more of that guerrilla style they're there to make a connection with the creator um themselves so for example with jesse so we always like kind of make sure we don't film in super high 4k every time because we've found that when we have the, the audience kind of lose engagement um and they they prefer that kind of one to one um feel so they can feel engaged but yeah it's it's every day we do new shoots and we just get these insane collaborations with NBA players and I'm sat there like, wow, this is, this is becoming a, a a small TV show. Um, but it's, it's definitely the lines get blurred, but I will say it's, it's, I think the opportunities that can arise on YouTube are just so unique and so flexible. Um, especially you don't have to like stick to a standard of like show, for example, you could just do whatever you want. Um, as long as you make a a great engaging video, people are going to watch.
1: Now, here's a here's a question because you call Jesse the creator. Yes. Undoubtedly, he would have started out as someone uploading videos and it's evolved to what it is today. How do you keep that balance because it's really interesting that you say when you when you change the camera style or you know the, the way that the footage is shot, the audience begins to lose interest how how much is he still the creator when there's obviously such an experienced team around him now um writing scripts coming up with locations designing sets that's a really that's surely a really tricky balance to maintain between this thing that the thing that got him that that appeal and that following versus moving too far from it, it just being a channel
0: yeah i mean yeah for sure he started off um by himself in his room when he was 16 just filming videos and over the years obviously built out his team. But I think what's most commendable about him and what I really see every day is that he is so involved and so um, driven to keep making better videos. Every time we have like a new goal, which he sets, which we want to achieve. So like a year ago, he did a really big push. Um, He was like, we need to get to 10 mil by the end of the year. And he did everything he could to be involved. He'd come in um, at the weekends to film like stuff for the reaction videos by himself during our meetings, for example, we have ideation meetings. So we'd come up with ideas ourselves and then we would, it wouldn't get past the ideation phase without Jesse coming in and approving the ideas. He'd also input his own ideas. And then whatever we again, come up with, with the scripts, he always has a look, has a look at them, puts in his input, makes sure that, he likes the way it's filmed because if he doesn't like it, we just won't film it. Um, and that's like the, the number one rule. We've got to make it sure that we all agree and think there's going to be a really good video. And as well, that Jesse enjoys filming it because it, the, the, as you say, the, the telling point is that he needs to be able to be seen to be enjoying the video as well. If he's not enjoying it, it's again, not going to perform. Um, so yeah, he's always involved in like every step of the process, even when we're filming on the day, And he he gives some, like, directorial notes every now and again. Um, But Obviously, it's a bit harder when he's the person on camera. But that's where kind of my role falls in, Um, especially when I'm not on camera because I feature on camera sometimes, Mm -hmm. but not as much. But I'll be telling him, like, oh, actually, Jesse, make sure you refer back to this or um, make sure you remind the audience about this. But just not too much because you don't want to make it feel too scripted as well.
1: No, look. Most people listening to this podcast will work in enterprise environments. They will work with probably relatively, not limited, because that might not be the case, but but marketing budgets that have their limitations. <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. they might work yeah. in quite traditional environments. And they might work with people who find it un, uneasy or unnatural to necessarily be on camera. A million miles away from the creator economy. But recognizing that platforms like... YouTube, potentially TikTok, certainly Instagram and LinkedIn are channels to reach an audience and to engage. Now, not saying that they're going to get videos which get seven and a half million views, but what can they learn from what you are doing in your industry and take that across into um, content that builds an audience, builds positive sentiment and helps them get the outcomes that they're looking for in terms of brand.
0: Yeah, I think the key thing here is always to research and know your audience because a lot of people make the mistake when they go into this and I've seen it myself from like friends working in different companies. They just want to appeal to the the traditional like Gen Z or whoever they think is the best market in terms of like making a viral video. But when it comes to like selling a product or... um it's it's the same for us we research our target audience, so we figure out what they like we figure out what they like viewing we figure out the time which they like viewing the things we figure out well when when are they most free to watch content um and then what we experiment so we start uploading videos which we think they'll like and then if they don't respond well, well we'll change our strategy and it's all about it's kind of just learning and testing process um and it just apply, it, it differs per you know, industry you're in, but there is always a target audience. Like, for example, there are some financial channels on YouTube, which, um, don't have a huge amount of following, don't get a huge amount of views, but they do be earning a lot of money. And that is because the, they know their audience and they know that, um, the CPM, uh, like the kind of the ad rate on YouTube for financial videos tends to be a lot higher than everywhere else. So you don't actually need that many views to earn like a livable wage or to earn money or to grow your platform um and it's again it's just about finding the target audience and making your videos for that audience that's the most important thing you can do and that's the the, the best way you can grow especially from not not having a following
1: here's a question then how do you do that like it, people talk about knowing your audience all the time
0: mm-hmm
1: don't actually think that anyone turns around and goes, yeah, but how? how? Like, it's not the easiest thing to necessarily know who your no. audience are. Like, fine, if you are a, a financial firm, you might be looking for people with a little bit of wealth, people who are like 30 to 35, who maybe they've bought a house, maybe they have a little bit more disposable income, but that's, like, that's basic guesswork. It's not very scientific. Yeah. How do you do this in a way that actually gives you some data, gives you something that you can query, and that gives you something measurable?
0: Yeah, I'd say a a good way is kind of the trial and error method of YouTube. So um, YouTube gives very basic statistics, but still statistics on your audience. Um, So they'll give you like the age range, they'll give you the demographic, and they'll give you the time at which uh, they watch. So that is like the first way you can kind of go off, at least on YouTube. So you can kind of, once you upload, you'll be able to see who is viewing the audio, uh, the video. And you can start, as you say, start to make some guesswork as to what you think is the best possible audience. Um, and then as well, you can see within the video, there are retention graphs. So you'll be able to see when the, the whole audience is engaged and see like a graph kind of go up and down or where there are, for example, spikes in the graph and you'll see how the audience react to the video. So you, again, you can kind of go in and be like, okay, maybe when I was talking about, um, some information which was more geared towards the younger people you see there's a drop in the retention and then you're like okay so maybe my audience isn't that age they need they're a bit older so let me next time let's talk about something that's more applicable to them and you go back and you look at the retention graph there and you see if there's the same drop when you talk about that topic or if there's an if there's a instead it just stays level and it's just it's all little bits which you can piece together and i think it's the same for um Instagram demographics, you can kind of look at that as well. Um, and then what I would say as well is find other um, channels or creators or businesses which are doing the same kind of thing that you are and you'd feel that they have the same audience as you. So you kind of do the research on those channels, find out you know what kind of content they're making. You can obviously see if they're doing well already, what's working well for them. and then you kind of take what they have bring on your own twist or your own business. Um, yeah, that thing. <laughs> and figure out um, from there.
1: Where the creator economy is concerned then, um, just as, as a last question to you, you're obviously someone who's who's involved in it. Um, it's something that to a lot of people feels perhaps quite alien, as we said. What do you think is interesting though? What do you think is going on that people should be aware of trends or or stuff that you see that you think could filter down into wider enterprise business that are are really worth keeping an eye out on and that maybe people could get ahead of the curve on?
0: Well, I'd say the kind of obvious answer, but definitely very applicable answer is AI. Um, AI is becoming huge in the creator economy and it's doing so in a number of ways. So... You have your obvious chat, GBT. Um, a lot of people use this for the very basics of ideas coming up with, for example, we'd put in like, oh, come up with something to do with a basketball video, and then we kind of refine it. We find something that we like, and then we build off of that. So it's it's a great place to find information or just to give spur ideas rather than give the actual ideas for videos. So I know chat GBT is being used by a lot of, uh, creators. Um, the big thing is, uh, in terms of editing and Photoshop work, there's a lot of AI being used to, again, further people's skills. So I think a lot of people are afraid that AI is going to take over at the moment. It's far from that, but instead the best creators are taking, what they know already and using AI to help them. So for example, you have runaway, which is a great, um, AI platform, which helps, uh, with video editing. So for example, you could really quickly throw in a video, which you want, for example, someone's running and you want them cut out. So it's just like a green screen and them running runaway is perfect for that. Um, and it makes it really quick and simple and saves a lot of time that used to be taken on Adobe After Effects and, you know, keying out each frame to make sure you cut them out perfectly. Um, Another great example is midjourney midjourney has been very useful for a lot of creators and us for coming up with uh, thumbnail concepts um, so if you say you know we, we're trying to figure out how we should get this thumbnail and we want for example someone doing a crazy dunk we, we put it into mid journey and it comes up with different ideas different positions and then we kind of build off of that. Um, we also use um, photo, Photoshop's own AI. There's generative fill, there's other ones, um, but basically you can just like, for example, you have like an ocean, you just drag a square and you type in boat and it puts in a boat. So it's just, it's great for missing pieces within thumbnails. For example, we have thumbnails where we couldn't get a great photo of Jesse with the background, which we want. So instead we take the photo of Jesse, which we know is great. And we get the background generated, generated in. I mean, there's one thumbnail which we made where Jesse's um arm didn't look right. So we just replaced his arm <laughs> with an AI arm. But you'd never know. Yeah. It's 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 really good and it it allows us to give that freedom and really like help us grow um our own content. And yeah, I say that that's a huge thing as well. Just AI in general, it can be incredibly helpful at the moment.
1: Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Um I feel like we should have a, a slight explanation. That if there are at any points, any mild sniffs, you you actually have COVID at the minute and you are doing this from home. And I really appreciate you taking the time whilst you're not feeling particularly well. No one would of ever course. know. But let's put that little bit of explainer. So, um, you know, you'd sound even better normally, but...
0: Uh, oh yeah, no, I sound amazing. <laughs>
1: okay, thank you very much for your time.
0: No, thank you very much.
1: Not very quickly before we started chatting, I, I, I kind of pointed out the difference between Strictly and Jessa. Yeah. Obviously, it's, it's a slightly different thing. But yep. it does kind of put into context that when we're talking about kind of YouTubers, people have got to take these people seriously in terms of they are putting out serious content. They are a serious operation. Marco talks about the fact they've got script writers, creative directors, executive producers, editors, CFOs, a pre- or CFO not O's, oh. a president like that's nuts yeah it's a whole
2: enterprise isn't it it's it's a whole running business and also a business that runs pretty much all day every day you know without a break because it's always the next video the next bit of content and it's across all platforms yeah any social media platform anything else and it's yeah, I mean some of the things that they do is crazy, um, which is mad. Like, I don't know, like even KSI for example, mm-hmm. right? Everyone knows him, started off as a YouTuber, now the guy is... He boxes, right? He boxes, he's got his own sports drink that sends kids and younger people into absolute
1: frenzy. Do you know about Mr. Beast, by the way? Yeah. Because yeah. I've not seen Mr. Beast's yeah. content,
2: but obviously he gets referenced in the in the interview. He's like the world's biggest YouTuber, isn't he? And he does like...
1: I should probably know who he is Yeah, you should, yeah, yeah.
2: But apparently, so he's... Not apparently. He is the world's biggest YouTuber, and he... Like, some of the videos that he does, he literally goes out and you know it's it's quite charitable but like you know just the following that he has is ridiculous and you look at him he's a normal guy like KSI you still get a lot of like mannerisms and Lamborghinis and drinks and bling and diamonds and all that sort of stuff but that Mr Beast is just it's just a normal bloke and he's got you know a load of fan following um which is crazy and he goes out gives money to people helps people out um
1: but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a whole different world. Yeah. What I think's great about Marco's honesty here is that it is a professional setup mm. to create something that is relatable. Yeah. Because I think, I think sometimes where the creator economy is concerned, Apple did a, a, um, a scary event, scary fast event, mm-hmm. and they said it was filmed on uh, the iPhone 15 Pro Max and I was watching their behind-the-scenes video, and they mm. still had massive creative teams, gimbals, lighting, hundreds of pounds worth of equipment on yeah. the behind-the-scenes. It's like, sure, but yeah, all right. it's filmed on the iPhone 15 Pro Max. It doesn't mm. mean if you go out and buy an iPhone 15 Pro Max yeah. that you can make something that looks like that. It's yeah. slightly misleading. Yeah. And I think you've got to be honest about the fact that, you know, Jess has done amazing. He obviously started this on his own in his bedroom. Yeah. Yes, But it is a professional outfit that is akin to a studio. Yeah, pretty
2: much. And also a a studio that is providing for so many people. A a lot of these content creators, I think, sometimes get a bit of a bad rep Hmm. because people think, oh, he or she is just earning a load of money and you know, it's just supporting them and their lifestyle, that sort of thing. But people like we have on this pod, if it wasn't for Jessa, they won't have that job. You no. know? yeah. so they're actually also supporting other people's livelihoods and families and that sort of thing by paying them a salary some of them even have rights you know um, to certain videos and things like that so it's I, I think it's it's crazy and where we've now seen YouTubers use their sort of I don't know following mm. away from social media and get into business or get into other lines of work, I think that's also then started to help the economy as well. Because they bring a pair of eyes and, you know, sort of money and revenue that if you were just a marketing person to get I don't know, two hundred and six million people, whatever, um, in Mr Beast's case, you've got two hundred and six million followers on YouTube. So Can you just double check that. I've just had a look, yeah. Like in order to get that many eyes Mm. on your product, I mean, you'd you'd have to go viral and keep on going viral for a hell of a long time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But if you get someone like him, similar to Jessa, Logan Paul, and all these people, like, within seconds, minutes, you know, um, you're
1: up there, so, yeah. Now, one thing that... Uh, Marco points to at the end is a few AI tools that can help creator economy um, mm. creatives I think he calls them the creos at creos one point. creos mm. um, guess what the word or sorry according to Collins Dictionary mm. the um, most notable word of 2023 is was it AI which is not a word no acronym yeah it's kind of, kind of shit when, when the dictionary can't even tell you what a word is yeah. it's like my dad it used to cheat I mean it wasn't cheating because it's in the dictionary but my dad knows Latin because yeah. my dad's old enough to have studied classics right. at yeah. school yeah, yeah. and of course all the Latin is in the dictionary and it's like two two letter words yeah. but I mean AI isn't an acronym it's not a word it shouldn't be anyway whatever. Yeah, Bazble was up there yeah I did see that. Basketball should be word of the year. No, anyway. No. Um, yeah. AI, word of the year. What is going on at the minute in Bletchley Park? It's the AI...
2: The Rishi Sunak UK the, the, AI Safety Bra- Summit. Rishi Branded. Rishi Branded, yeah, there we go. A bit of content creation for it. Um, yeah, yeah, no, the, the AI Safety
1: Summit. Right? AI Safety Summit, which is really important because... Look, it would be interesting to see what news comes out of the AI Safety Summit over the next couple of days. Mm. But... It is important, whatever you think of the current government, whatever you think of Ritchie, that they bring the industry together to talk about guardrails and how to make sure that AI is implemented safely. Yeah. Um, there's people that think that it's, that it's overkill. I'd say probably not. Also interesting to see that the US, Kamala Harris has come out today and is talking about AI today. Ooh, very good.
2: Resting uh, back attention. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I, I guess you know, all the tech giants have probably been at her last night and helping with her. I don't know scripts or speeches or knowledge or whatever but um yeah but it it is good to see the UK hosting the UK driving an initiative um just hope we do it well yeah I mean what normally happens is we start these things and then Europe takes over and then slowly America will take all the credits for it so you know let's see what happens
1: We'll see what the, what the uh, news coming see. out of it is. Yeah. Anyway, look, um, do enjoy uh, Bonfire Night if you're in the UK over this weekend. If you're anywhere else in the world and enjoying fireworks, do so responsibly. Mm. Um, if you haven't been able to tell what our in- uh, inelegant link to uh, the theme is, it's about blowing up, blowing up online, yeah. blowing up Parliament. Don't do that. Yeah. Have a lovely weekend. We'll be back next week. Thank you.